Welcome to The Tailored Quill. I'm Taylor Wilkins, and I hope you enjoy today's perspective. Hey everybody, welcome back. Thank you so much, as always, for being here. You know, as we all are pursuing our version of happiness and fulfillment, we're caught trying to find balance between very conflicting things in life. Things like stress versus peace, order and chaos, structures and habits and disciplines versus flow states and movement and spontaneity. And that kind of conflicting effort can cause a lot of tension in us. It can be really hard. It can cause more stress and overwhelm and, of course, lead a lot of us to burnout, which so many people are experiencing these days. So my guest today is not only going to offer an amazing perspective on how to address and face these kind of balancing acts, but also how to infuse a really simple and practical amount of self-compassion into your life in order to ameliorate some of your burnout. So my guest today is Colleen Riley. Colleen is a dear friend of mine here in New York City. Colleen used to be working in advertising sales, but then transferred and took the very big leap into pursuing her own art, which is poetry. Colleen runs a blog and a whole self-expressive platform on Substack called Tea with Colleen, which I'll put in the show notes for all of you to subscribe to. And she also works at Poetry Forge here in New York City with another poet named Holly Wren Spaulding, where they offer writing workshops and overall writing and self-expressive education. It's a wonderful, wonderful program. And Colleen is just the perfect example of someone who is pursuing what she finds fulfilling. We all have stepping stones in our careers. We all are laying the stones in the paths of our careers as we go and figuring it out. And Colleen is just a wonderful example of somebody who's very thoughtful, self-aware, and is trusting her gut to guide where she needs to go next and guide what is most fulfilling for her in her career. That's something we can all learn from. So I really hope you enjoy my conversation today with Colleen Riley. How many beverages do you actually have near you right now? Yeah. Well, I have a mug, of course. Okay. And then Very artistic mug. I have, yeah, I know. It, my mom's <laughs> neighbor is a potter. I guess there would be referred to as a potter. She does pottery just for fun. And I think she should start selling them. I mean, they're really cool and unique. But anyways, that, a water bottle. And then I bought this glass you guys you're gonna think all I do is buy like artistic glasses <laughs> I don't but this one is I got it from um like a local store around here and it's from a an wow. Argentinian um artist or a glass blower but this the curated shop is in Brooklyn and I pour my water into it because <laughs> it's just more exciting than drinking out of my water bottle every day so I switch it up. It's not always this <laughs> nice, but it's, I'm on a podcast. So I'm like, I'm going to, you know, have nice glasses. Right. So for you listeners who aren't watching the video of this and are actually listening to this, Colleen just shared, showed me a bright yellow water bottle, a really cool blue, like totally glazed, awesome handmade pottery mug and yeah. a, like a almost like blown glass, stained glass fishbowl looking thing with all sorts of colors yeah. <laughs> like a little bit of an amorphous shape exactly so, 
and all the while you're sitting behind a completely blank white wall so <laughs> why don't we dive into imagination right? <laughs> let's talk about home ec and home goods now i haven't really been able to decorate my office so i guess i'm just or these walls so i guess i'm just bringing the color from everything i'm sipping out of <laughs> well i had <laughs> i had a i had a client last year who um, he was an athlete and he was addicted to coffee and he, and, uh, so he was, he, he would work out a ton before his work day started. And then he and I would have our session right in his lunch break, but he had like a coffee mug, a giant Gatorade, a glass full of, you know, maybe like electrolyte mix or something like that. And he had like four drinks and whenever it would get deep in the conversation as like a coping mechanism, he would drink, he would drink more. So I was just constantly seeing him drinking throughout the whole session of like four different things. So you're, you're fine. Oh my gosh. I, I really feel like when I, I had kind of a moment when I was, I don't know, I guess we're just going there right now, but I also when when I was kind of having a reckoning with how much I was drinking, like in my mid to late twenties, I really had to like start realizing how intentional I was with like how fast I was drinking because I would go out and I would drink my glasses so fast. And you think at the end of the night, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, am I an overdrinker and I'm an alcoholic or what, what is this? Like, why can't I slow down? And it really is. I think when our, when we're nervous, when I'm nervous, I tend to eat faster. I tend to drink fast. Um, and so when you were talking about your friend with that as a coping mechanism, I, I could see that as something where it's like, okay, I'm going to take a break and like put my hand somewhere, you know, I'm nervous. So I need to like do something basically. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny. I mean, it's a lot of people do compulsive eating as a coping mm -hmm. mechanism, as in, and it goes back evolutionarily to when we were kids, like it was such a comfort thing to either put like our thumb in our mouth or to eat, or just to have the volition of like picking something up and putting it on our mouth during that phase of development. So a lot of people eat. So it's, it's a, it could be worse that at the, at least at this point that you have like multiple things of water and you're just you're drinking out of the water containers so that's okay <laughs> yeah. yeah my compulsions are now green tea and a bunch of water so could be worse yeah. yeah good for you um you know along these along these lines this is in the direction i was gonna start going in but um it just made me think of like personality tests that i've taken and then funny videos that i've mm -hmm. seen based on things like the enneagram and myers-briggs and all that there are so many people who think that their workspace i mean your workspace needs to be organized for you to be productive anyways like in that's true that's real but certain personality types need you know the that same mug to be on the desk every single day and it needs to be facing you in a certain way. It needs to have the coffee at a certain time. So do you feel as though you have those little kind of like compulsory demands for you to be productive? Because as we're going to dive into, you're an extremely creative person mm -hmm. and obviously workplace and setting and your desk or what you have around you and your routines are so important for creative people to feel creative. Mm. Yeah. That's a good question. I have to say that it, it varies a lot. Um, I tend to 
you know, like right now having an ornate glass of wa water felt good. It was, I call it dopamine decor or something. I don't know. It's just <laughs> really, really bright colors. Um, and then there's sometimes where I probably would think that was distracting and having a bunch of, you know, glasses in general on my desk might, might feel distracting. So I f feel consciously that I'm the type of person who likes order. However, what I'm realizing is that I am the antithesis of order, basically. Okay. And it's so maybe I just have this perception of myself. I don't know what other people would perceive as me if they've worked with me in the past or whatever. Um, but I like things to be neat, of course. But then at the same time, there are sometimes when I'm going through like an article or something, there's papers all over you know, right now there's papers really everywhere. You can't see it. So it definitely changes. And sometimes it's really such a good feeling to just do a deep clean and have it be orderly, but that doesn't mean that then it eventually gets disorderly again. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, that sounds human. So that's good. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's very human. It's yeah. funny that you mentioned personality tests. I recently took the Enneagram um, like a few weeks ago, and it was completely different than when I had taken it three years ago. And I wonder if you've seen that across like your clients wow. or your own research with those tests. I haven't seen that kind of longitudinally, like over the course of years. Um, I know what's interesting is my fiance was like, we were so clear that she was one personality type, but then when she took it again, she was basically matched up between, uh, between two of them. And both of them actually make a lot of sense for her. They're not total opposite personality types, but it's hard then to be like, oh, I'm, I'm definitely this, or I'm definitely that. Whereas I am 100% a four plus like a five wing and so and that's never changed <laughs> so i'm staying consistent um sarah is such a beautiful personality that i think that it needs to be encapsulated in two different types at the mm -hmm. same time mm -hmm. um so i've seen that i've seen much more change in the myers-briggs that's what it was it was the myers-briggs test okay so it's not so much the enneagram in my opinion but for me, the, the Myers-Briggs has changed a lot throughout my life because originally I was more introverted then I was very, very extroverted mm. in high school and college. And then I became extremely introverted again, but all the other letters didn't change. So it's purely just how I was expressing myself, how I wanted to interact and connect with people. That's so interesting. Yeah, that's kind of what I noticed too. I'd have to really go back and dig up the exact what the exact profile was, but I remember that it, there were several that was, you know, from extroversion to introversion, um, which had drastically shifted. Yeah. Does that surprise you? Um, well, no, because I, I do feel like I'm living my life more introverted than I, than the life that I lived three, four years ago. Um, I think that it's, it's surprising, but it's also not surprising at the same time for, for, you know, that probably sounds vague, but I think that there is a part of me that's like, it, I was reckoning with that, like, where is my balance? Um, I reckon with that a lot, actually. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So, you know, well, this is the fact that we started off with all of your crazy cups 
and now we're going deep into personality types and and uh, order and disorder and everything. We're not starting anywhere near the questions that I thought <laughs> we were going to start with. So we're just gonna we're just gonna roll with this. So based on what you just said, yeah. um, I just had somebody on who is also a super creative person, more in terms of visual storytelling um, mm -hmm. and movies um, and film production, and her. I'll say battle in life, even though it's really just journey, but it causes her a lot of restlessness, is trying to find that balance of grounding and being able to just keep moving, keep exploring. She's just a relentless explorer. She travels a ton. She's extremely restless and finds stillness and peace in that movement, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Which is really hard for a lot of people to conceptualize. And I relate a lot to what you're saying, where especially as two cre very creative people with big imaginations, there's this constant conflict, or it feels like a conflict because it causes us anxiety between order and disorder, you know, predictability, unpredictability, stillness versus movement or energy. So we might just jump right into the grace conversation right now, but um, I'm gonna ask you generally first, how do you deal with that? Mm. Or do you deal poorly with that? Because <laughs> a lot of people have trouble with that balance. Yeah, I think that a lot of times I think that the, that debacle between disorder and order, flow and structure, is a me problem only and it's seemingly that it's it's a human problem um and especially for i think people who are entrepreneurs or creatives or who are starting something new that doesn't necessarily have like a directive path um this year i decided that i was just going to stay as present as possible and just try to listen just listen. And that can sometimes mean listening to my body. So does it need to move? Um, how focused am I at the moment? Do I need to like take a, a break basically? Do I need to go take a walk? Um, or do I feel like I'm, I'm in a focus mode where I can like maybe get things done. But then I, I was, I had mentioned before, like deadlines, you have to sometimes just get the, the deadline is the structure essentially. So you have to get that done when it's done. But when things that don't necessarily have those deadlines or structures with them, it's an everyday battle really. And I hate to call it a battle. It's, an, it's something that I think about every day and I'm working at every day. And really the it's listening and just trying to stay present as much every moment that I'm doing something, I'm trying to bring presence to that moment. And it's really, really hard to do. And I don't think I'll ever master that fully throughout my whole life, but it is the anecdote to this. I find it's the anecdote to this problem of not understanding when to flow and when to keep regimented. Um, because in the moment you kind of have this emergence of the answer, what to do. Mm. Nice. I love that because that's at least what I'm taking from that is, you know, the listening part is listening to your gut for lack of better words, as in like kind of what you need in that moment, that sort of presence will guide you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think exactly. If, and if that, if I feel like sometimes when people hear that, they're like, well, 
I don't, my gut response is not, you know, I don't know what my gut says. Like my gut says one thing, my head says another. And I completely understand that as someone who's, you know, kind of a heady person themselves. <laughs> and it, it, it comes with time, I think. And also it, there's mistakes. I mean, just sometimes you push a project and you think that it needs structure and you realize it really needed flow. And sometimes when something's super flowy, I would say for me, it's most of the time the opposite. I'm trying to push something. I'm trying to push an agenda. I'm trying to push an idea. I'm trying to push a timeline and it needs more time and it needs more less structure. Um, and maybe you're the opposite. And if you're listening to this, maybe you oscillate between the two, but there are mistakes that are, and you just learn and that it's like anything. It's just like machine learning. It's like you, you pick a or B and then you consistently pick a, and you're like, Oh, a is working. I'm going to consistently do this. So I feel like it's, we're really just, we're, it's a learning process. It's a journey. Mistakes happen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't make the right answer. You don't make, have the right answer all the time. So, that know. was like that was like three or four great little sound bites, just in <laughs> itself, just little like three little direct pieces of advice. <laughs> and, yeah, and a, a guy that I had on just recently, um, uh, he was saying something very similar about how his mindset about his career has always been to just go try things and just, mm -hmm. even though it's always kind of been in the same lane because he knew what his interests were, mm -hmm. his mindset was always just go explore and get your hands dirty. And I love that because I love that image of getting your hands dirty with it because you're gonna make mistakes. Mm -hmm. You're gonna be in a shitty job. You're gonna hate your job. But as I always call it, you're getting a master's degree or PhD in what you don't wanna do with your life. And that's equally as important as figuring out what you do. And so, um, so I love that because that presence will always be healthy as long as you do what you just said, which is accept the fact that you're going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Like I distinctly remember the day and where I was when I heard my gut for the first time, like clear as day, because I'm a very heady person too. I'm also an incredibly emotional person. Mm. And so I just remember distinctly the day and I was like 24, 25, mm -hmm. you know, and like, so it takes a long time and whatever it was for that day, the channel was open <laughs> and I could just be like, Oh, yeah. that's my gut. And like you said, it's a practice. Mm -hmm. And then you get to figure out, okay, that's, this is really the guidance I should be following and just being open to just trying what it's doing, even if it's like you said, too much flow, or if it's too much structure. And then you sort of, it's the mm -hmm. machine learning, you start to hone in on the limits or the boundaries of, of how you should be operating. Yeah, yes, exactly. Um, I, I want to ask you a question, because what you said brought me to what I really think creativity can be used for, for everyone. Um, that everyone in sense is inherently creative and that might make people's eyes roll, but really what creativity means to me expands out to then everyone as a very human experience. But before I get into that, I want to hear what were you doing when you felt like you heard your gut response? Were you on a walk or were you just, what, what happened when you were like, you know, <laughs> like you had a Satori moment, you had a light bulb moment. Uh, I remember distinctly, I was in the middle of my bedroom in, and when I was living in Colorado, 
I was living in Denver, Colorado at the time. Um, and that was like one of my all time favorite apartments that I've ever lived in. And I was living by myself and it was just so comfortable. It was just such a great, great little spot. But um, I can't say 100% certainly if it was around this time, but I think there was someone, I had met a woman and was trying to figure out kind of the interaction. I'll just say that trying to figure out the communication, the interaction, where things were going, how to like what I wanted out of it, mm. what like, you know, just the the desires and the emotions or not. And um, and that was an extremely pivotal year of my life where I was also working a lot of jobs at the same time to really figure out what my limits were, where my interests were in my career and what that meant for my sense of self and relationships and all of that. So I think a lot of it was swirling and I was doing a lot of personal work at the time. So I, I would hope that that's why just randomly one day it all opened up and was, at least it opened up in terms of the person um, that I was, that they're the person in question at that time. But uh, yeah, I remember where I was. It was like, I was standing up in the middle of the bedroom and it was like, huh, there it is. it's amazing yeah so going back to you because you know related to this whole topic of structure versus creative flow you know you're someone and I'll probably just go backwards with it but currently you're working for another poet and a writer Mm -hmm. Um, who's made a business out of her art. And I find this fascinating for a lot of creative people and artists because the answer is always different, which is the question of doing the thing that you love, which is so imaginative, so expansive, um, and so unlimited and unconfined, and turning that into a very structured, directed uh, income stream, for lack mm-hmm. of better words, to make a living and turning it into a, a business, which as a business, is in, it couldn't be more structured, right? And so starting with your work currently, what's that like for you, even though it's not your business technically, um, what is that like for you and what are you learning about kind of finding that balance between being the artist you want to be Mm -hmm. but also like how to use it as a means of making a living. Yeah. I mean, watching Holly has been very illuminating and she still has to wear the CEO entrepreneur hat and the poet hat. And she's been a poet her whole, you know, she's been an artist. She was an activist. This whole CEO entrepreneur businesswoman hat is very new to her still, even though she's running a very thriving, legitimized business. Um, so that that's still that concept to her. And I, I don't want to like s- speak for her in any way, but I, I think that that still is a hat that she still has to be comfortable with because really in her mind, she, she feels like a poet. She feels like an activist. She feels like a um, probably in a lot of ways, if she feels like a teacher. But I think that whole realizing that she's running a, a, a business has been something that she's gaining comfortability with still too. Um, 
And I remember one time she looked at me and she was like, there was a period of time. I mean, she's been running Poetry Forge for about 10 years that she was just like, it's working. It's working. Like I just never, she probably never thought in her mind that it would work in any way, but it was just her love of teaching and a way of service to herself and, and eventually to others that just, yeah, and just by word of mouth just grew. So to answer your question, it's been illuminating to watch her path for sure. And also inspiring, but, um, I think that to wear those hats is, is, can, is not necessarily always the most easy. You have to kind of switch between these modes of being that feel very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And what is that? So how does that make you feel? Because, you know, you got out of your sales job and to experiment with running your own business as a poet and you have tea with Colleen as your personal expressive vessel to the public. And so where are you at in terms of just the idea of entrepreneurship or running your own thing, or are you veering more toward just expressing the art and doing the art without worrying about putting on the hat of CEO? Mm, Yeah, that's a really good question. And this also changes. I have to say that I'm not sure at what what part of what I'm creating is going to be the revenue driver. I don't know at this point what gift, talent, thing that I'm creating is for pleasure only. And one that might be for pleasure and that will also create sustaining value not only to me, but to others. Thus, I'm paid for it. And I, I'm still kind of at that point where I'm I'm not sure where where that's going to lead. So I'm just focused on creating um, when I have the time to just create what I'm creating and not trying to put an outcome against it. And the reason that I have the ability to do that is just because I have created a day job and role and responsibilities. And so that allows me to take pressure off of what wants to be created and and how it's going to tie together. Um, I do think, though, that some of the work that I do for Holly and some of the work that I do for Tea with Colleen has a bridge to it. And I can kind of see the bridge. However, it's still murky and unclear. And I, I saw this thing, I saw this woman talk on TikTok. I thought it was interesting um, the other day and she's kind of into metaphysics. So it's a little bit esoteric, but she was saying that, you know, she's a video editor. And so you as a editor as well, if you can imagine, you know, the timeline of audio or the timeline of video kind of on your software. And as you are watch looking at the timeline and you see A to Z, you see the whole timeline. However, when you're in the timeline, let's say you're, you know, the second or third audio clip or you're the fourth video clip or something, you can't necessarily see the whole timeline because you're in it. You're really like in, in the mark of it all and whatever practices you, and then she kind of talks about timeline jumping and all those other things that um interests me but in terms to like ground this more as like advice but if what things can you do that pull you out 
every now and then of the timeline to kind of be able to get clues of A to Z. And those could be, those can be a lot of different things. For me, it's movement like yoga or meditation definitely helps. Journaling definitely helps. Um, but everyone has their own modalities of how they get clues of what their timeline looks like. And then slowly they work their way to the end basically. But I think it's the human experience to be grounded and not necessarily blocked, but shielded from what you're doing right now. What exactly is it going to be next? And that's where like trying to like, quote unquote, trust the unknown, even though that makes everyone's eye roll, but also thinking about what modes of being, what modalities bring you a little bit closer to that timeline without gripping, you know? Yeah. Without gripping the outcome. Absolutely. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely relate to that. Um, I mean, as an entrepreneur myself, that that idea of not having any clue what the outcome is, because as a solopreneur in particular, and somebody who gets bored pretty easily, <laughs> there's no way I could possibly know what 12 months from now my business mm-hmm. is going to look like um, even, you know, three weeks from now. And so there is that constant tug and pull. It's another con like a contradiction, um, in my mind of how do I set goals and how do I create a vision for actually what I want to achieve while knowing that it's not going to look like that when that timeline comes, which is trippy and there's the metaphysics of it right there where like you're actually creating a vision that's not it's not going to look like the original vision when you actually achieve the vision even if you do achieve Mm -hmm. that exact vision you know a year from now or what have you so uh just in this past year I've like formulated a little bit of a vision and it's a new vision that I've shared with you a little bit and it's like okay cool now what, (laughs) you know, so now I have to formulate the goals from like square one to get to the, you know, square 500, which is like the big vision, knowing that it's all going to change in the process. So what my point in getting to all of that is that what you just shared sounds like it requires a whole lot of trust Mm. and openness to the journey or just to the process of not gripping on to some outcome, because then you limit yourself, mm-hmm. but also, but while also still being aware of what fulfills you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought up goals because those were setting goals was something that was very difficult for me when I decided several years ago that like, okay, sales is not working for me and I need to really figure out what I'm going to do next. And then it took several years to then leave sales, but I would set all of these, I would set so many goals. I had so many goals and they just, none of them were achieved. And even when I was more conscious of the goal setting and just not even setting so many, just setting a few and just more conscious of them throughout the year. And there's all those tactics. There's millions of tactics for achieving your goals. Um, I still found it difficult. And this year was the first year that I was like, I'm not setting a single goal. I am setting, I'm calling them experiences and just really went through and was like, what do I want to experience? And whether I experience it in 
this year or in years to come? Like, what do I want to experience? And what is attainable for me to experience this year too? Because sometimes goals, they, as someone who's already, already a future oriented person that I already take myself out of the present a lot. And I'm always constantly trying to bring myself back to right here, right now. Um, and goals just keep me way, way too far from what's going on in my life right now. And I think that the experience has helped, but at the same time, it's like, you could necessarily experience something. Sometimes you couldn't. And like, I also feel like goals sometimes are illusions too. We like think we want this big grand thing, and it's, it's not, it, it could be an illusion because then you get it and you're like, well, this isn't what I was expecting. This doesn't feel the way I wanted it to feel. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, it's an illusion. And I, I feel like sometimes that, that happens a lot with goal setting. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I completely agree. If there's, I talk about it a lot as called an ego trap. Yeah. Where our ego really has like this great ambition and really wants this amazing thing. And two things happen. Either it's way too big and you don't know how to get there. So you never do anything. Or it's so singularly focused that you get it, but you haven't thought about what would happen next. Because like goals are finite, but like the visions and ambitions are what you need to keep perpetuating because you're never just done, right? You're never, that's it. That's never it. Um, so a lot of people have, issues with that and either they achieve the goal and then they're like oh shoot then what it's like the olympics it's like the olympians thing where they they win gold the olympics are done and then they're depressed it's like okay cool what's next you got to start over Mm -hmm. um or it's the people who want olympic gold but have no idea how to actually get there and so they never do anything yeah that's very real the second they're they're both they both are yes and part but of the I, human condition, yeah. you know, we all do it. <laughs> yeah, today's episode is a lecture on humanity. Yeah, <laughs> you're doing fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're being a human. Oh my god. Um, yeah. For some reason, the quote, a quote from, oh gosh, really? If it resonated with me that much, I would know. I think it was Macbeth. I want to make sure that I that I quote it correctly, but um. It was, I dare do all that may become a man and who dares do more is none. As in anybody who, who is doing more than what a man can do isn't a man, like isn't a human. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's basically like the, my teacher at the time in high school taught me that all we can do is just do what we can as human beings. And beyond that, you're not a human being, you know, so it can be an arrogance thing, or it can be a, a great humbler just to remind yourself all you can do is be human. Yeah, it's, that's great. And I think that brings, that's where I felt like grace really came in to the whole, to what word do I need more of? And that's kind of how I stumbled upon that word. Yeah. Great. So glad you brought that up. It's almost, I mean, we didn't plan that at all, but that was going to be my segue as well. (laughs) Um, Because I really wanted to make sure we talked about that. Um, So, yeah. So uh, for those of you who um, 
who don't know or haven't checked out Tea with Colleen yet, um, Colleen did an awesome episode, I guess, of her, uh, or a post of Tea with Colleen that was an audio and talking all about grace. And I connected with Colleen over it because when, and this is brief context, but when we were finally able to have funeral for my mom, because COVID just kept pushing it off and she died right at the beginning of quarantine. So then like the, the funeral kept getting pushed off, but literally right around the time that she died, I already had clarity in mind of what I was going to say in the eulogy at the funeral. And it was all about grace, grace being in, being her secret ingredient. Um, and just that that's all that she was made of. So my entire eulogy was about that, was breaking all that up and breaking it down. And like you did in your post, which I'll link to in the show notes, you talked about the definition of grace, mm. being both courteous goodwill, as well as you know honoring and respecting somebody just with your presence. Mm. And beyond the definitions you also talked, as you just alluded to, about how it's like the word of your year, or it's at least the word that you want to focus on. And yeah, so what I would, so since so much of what we've already been talking about is just trying to find that compassion for yourself in all of these contradictions, the contradictions of life, what has that journey been like to give yourself that grace when you are fighting with these dualities of what to do with your career or what to do with your art or what to do with business trying to trust the process yeah it wasn't something I stumbled upon it wasn't an easy to lend I think ourselves grace is at least for me was not an easy path I just I think that May I stumbled upon a podcast with Sandra Cisneros, and that's what I talk about kind of in the in the audio. But and she she mentioned that, and this was right before the pandemic. It was well, it was probably as it was going on February 2020, and she was talking about how we were in or the United States. She's kind of talking about the political environment, but in general, um, we're in a state of grace. And what she meant by that was, our hearts were being broken. There was a lot of chaos going on. And that it can be a special time <laughs> when you're down or when your heart's broken or when it's breaking to essentially lend yourself grace to that moment to feel, you know, those feelings or to allow yourself to, you know, I guess, take a break. I mean, there's a definition of grace too, where it's like the grace period. You just kind of allow yourself a little mm -hmm. bit of time. You allow yourself you don't have to pay someone back right away, you know? And I think that's mm. element. Um, I liked what Sandra said about grace and that we were in a period of it as like our communities and humanity too. And I think we're continuously still in it. Um, and then what does that look like individually? And I think it kind of took me a few years to really get to the point where I wasn't beating myself up all the time over what I wasn't doing and that I wasn't enough or that my days weren't enough or my job wasn't enough or my creativity wasn't enough. And I don't know if that just is something that I deal with. Um, I think we all have our enoughness vulnerabilities. Like what, what are our enoughness vulnerabilities? And I, I would have, as I started on this entrepreneurial creative journey, 
whatever you want to call it, I would have these days where, and, and it means that I care really, but I'd have these days where I was like, oh, I just didn't do enough today. I didn't do enough today. Mm. Um, and it really started, I mean, it was such a joy suck and it completely takes you out of, I, I brought up presence a lot, but just feeling that you're not enough. And it would, would be sad to look back you know, in five years when you've realized that things turned out in, in a way that feels a little bit more stable or et cetera, and everything that you went through, you know, lent lessons to the journey, et cetera, or a good story. And to feel like the whole time you were going through it, you were like, this isn't enough or I'm not enough. You know, it would be so, mm. it's, it's sad to look back on that. And I, you know, I've had periods of time in my life where I've haven't been present towards the lessons or, and the, you know, the harder lessons and like the joyful lessons, um, because I was always thinking of the next thing. So trying now to, I don't know, maybe it's because we're in our 30s. I'm in my 30s now. Maybe I'm just like, all right, I need great. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that's kind of what started. I think this year it started real. I started realizing, all right, take a step back and just allow yourself some time, allow some yourself some breathers, you know, mm. it just things take things take time. This could be a whole nother conversation, but with in the internet and social media and our connectivity is amazing on so many levels. And sometimes we get ourselves into these comparison modes and it doesn't even matter if you're not comparing yourself with anyone else. You could just be comparing yourself to yourself consistently. But, and I know that's a natural, it's a very physiological thing we do, but, um, it, it takes a toll a little bit. Oh <laughs> yeah. Be comparing yourself and like the internet makes everything feel like it should be fast. Content needs to be fast. It needs to be, and it, it's commodified a lot of things. And sometimes that's great. And sometimes it's also, you have this feeling that it needs to be done now and it needs to be done quick and it needs to be done constantly. And really, you can take your time and things take, things take time. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're, not, you're absolutely right. Speaking as somebody who is savagely self-critical um, and has been working on self-compassion for his whole life. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with you. And to, to an extent, everybody, it's an, again, it's another example of human nature about the enough everybody has their own little enough trap also um and I, I i like that you brought that up about social media and connectivity and obviously we can talk for hours about that too mm -hmm. but uh it relates to what you said before because i very much i'm such an imaginative and creative person and i love that but i'm also a ceo an entrepreneur business owner my own intern, my own marketing department, my own sales department, everything. And so of course I'm clued into what all the business people are saying on social media in the world. And yeah, it's absolutely just pump stuff out, be fast, do like you're, you're losing, like you're not keeping <laughs> up, like <laughs> you're not keeping up. If you're not doing, if you're not posting this many times per day, you're losing. Mm -hmm. And I get it on the level that those people are talking at. Mm -hmm. and it's taken me it actually took me a couple of years and this is the first year where I'm really like able to actually separate and be like oh wait 
that's not actually my goal right now mm-hmm. to run a business exactly like that person did. And so there's merit to what they're saying in this digital entrepreneurial world. But the reason I bring this up is because like very similar to you and what you were saying before about yourself and Holly and what you're doing with your business is that I am constantly playing this game of trying to listen to my gut and trust the process of like, where does my creativity want to go and what can I do with that? Or what part of it do I want to use to make a living? Mm -hmm. Um, And there are so many times, and I fully admit so many times where I'm just being Um, what's the word complacent and I'm making excuses for not making content or not not keeping up quote unquote or not going faster but luckily the majority of the time these days I'm trusting the process I'm trusting the gut I started the podcast I'm going more I'm very consistent with the podcast even though I don't know where it's all going so I like that you brought that up because it absolutely takes time Mm mm-hmm and is very challenging. And I, I feel like there's a huge connection between the grace you're talking about and the process of listening to your gut and trusting that there is a process and it does take time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you know, that it, it's interesting that I guess, I, I don't know what you consider yourself as an entrepreneur, but this might be in the vein of kind of the, the artist versus the content creator. So I don't know if this is like becoming more niche than it needs to be, but I, I think that with maybe your business too, when we talk about content and essentially it's marketing or sales, and this is just the way that it's marketed in these days, um, everything is online and thus can be done very quickly. And I, I do wonder if those, you know, like the Eva brothers, for example, they say that they they've had a song that has taken them 10 years to write, or I, this poet, Ellen Bass, she said that it took her like 10 years to complete this poem. And I think it was like eight lines. And sometimes that horrifies me. I'm like, I can't imagine something taking me that long to complete. However, when I, and, and that kind of horrified me and I was like, no, I feel like I, I, I'm more in this realm of like TikTok where I'm like going on a walk and I just want everyone to see my walk basically and I can get it up in 10 minutes. Um, but then there are things that I'm maybe doing that I'm like, this is still so raw and maybe it's leading me to something that's much longer down the road. And how do we, what's beautiful about having both is that you can kind of, if you're restless or if you want to be out in the world or if you wanna make this podcast or you wanna have a content that's kind of quick, doesn't need like a ton of perfectionism on it, that can be one thing. And then you can also have something that you're really trusting the process and it's taking a little bit longer to cultivate. And having both actually is kind of pleasurable. It's like you have something that you really working on and it you're not sure where it's going. And then eventually it'll be this beautiful thing that's maybe taken a while and it's you know gone through different iterations. And then you also have this other piece where if you're doing your marketing or if you're doing your sales or if you're doing a specific piece of content that you enjoy doing weekly and 
more quickly, then you kind of have both. It's like the even. So I was telling myself this as I was thinking about it when I was like, have we given up on the songs that take 10 years when artists are now popping out songs all the time? They're not waiting for an album to be done. You know, they're just releasing mm -hmm. them. And then you have your people like Adele. But where, like, <laughs> who, where do we fit? Where do I fit? Is this just, are people just, you know, they do their, maybe they're not one or the other, maybe they're both too. It's like the Avery brothers were obviously, they still had albums, they still had tours, they still had concerts, but that one particular song took 10 years. So yeah. I guess it kind of got me to this point where it's okay to have both and don't try to have every single piece of your business or your creative journey or entrepreneurial journey be the quick churn. But that doesn't mean that not some of it can be. You can also have something that's a little bit longer. It takes a little bit more time. Um, yeah, this is essentially me telling myself that because I've kind of been going through <laughs> a reckoning with it too. But <laughs> so. yeah. yeah, but it's the, it's the permission you're talking about. Yeah. And we just keep coming back to trusting, trusting mm -hmm. your gut, but trusting that there is a process and that it can take time and that you can do two things simultaneously. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah um what you were saying about the musicians makes me think of christopher nolan the like my absolute favorite uh celebrity in the world my man my man celebrity crush um <laughs> i'm i'm listening to his book the book that was written on him um and yeah inception took him like 10 or 11 years to fully write and he had to do the dark knight movies or at least two of them to get the credibility to be able to make Inception the way that he wanted to, to make it almost three hours long and have all the production value and um, everything. But he, in the book, he was admitting that something like 25 years ago when he was younger was what really planted the seed about Inception. He was already thinking about some levels of, of uh, your consciousness and certain seeds that are in the movie are from where he was at at the time. So he's saying in reality, it took him like 25, 26 years to make Inception. And it's just an absolutely mind blowing, world rocking, wildly successful movie. Uh, and so just the amount of grace he probably had to give himself, especially while working on the script for 10 years, waiting for the right time to do it. Man, that's, that's a lot of grace. So with um with you going you know tying this up this at least up um because we could go in so many different directions with it how do you continue to give yourself the grace is it a mantra kind of thing is it just is it is grace does grace look a certain way to you or is it an action or yeah you know, what does it look like for you yeah i love that christopher because I love that story. I love, <laughs> I love like finding stories like that. Actually, that is one immersing yourself in. I like to learn about journeys, learn about stories, other people's stories, other people's journeys. It makes me really inspired. So like hearing that story about inception, um, surrounding myself with stories like that inspire me. They kind of ground me. They humble me. Uh, so th that and that wouldn't have been my first answer to your question, but it just reminded me after you were um, sharing that story that that I love hearing that um, those types of 
human stories uh, to towards creations too. Um, like mm -hmm. Forrest Gump had a very similar, no one liked the script. It like went for a long time through people's hands, went through a ton of iteration. So surrounding myself with um, stories like that and mm -hmm. in a daily practice, when usually when I know I'm not giving usually when I need to give myself grace is like I, I feel it like I feel like a tightening in my chest where it's like I'm either anxious about the fact that I really want the outcome to go a certain way or if I feel anxious at all or if I feel restless um, and those are just kind of going back to those daily ritual practices that just release it so for me it sounds mundane but yoga running um I do meditate and not every day but it does help um and journaling and then also for me like going on walks that that's my thing it's like going on long walks if I can get into nature I will but those nature kind of grounds me reminds me kind of whatever practice that reminds you that there is a bigger thing going on brings you out mm -hmm. of me, me, me mind, like small me mind into like, wow, so many powerful things are going on and I'm just kind of a part of it. And if mm -hmm. I am so focused on what I think is right, I miss the point kind of. Um, so whatever brings you into that. And, you know, there are some personal things too. Like if I'll, I mean, you know, I might say a mantra or like a little prayer. Um, in the mornings too. So just all of those like daily practices, I feel like that kind of just get you out of your small mindset into like big mindset. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I love that. I think that's so valuable for people listening to this because you, cause like, I think people, I think obviously people know that it's healthy to work out and, mm -hmm. or have routines or meditate and I, I wrote down this list a couple of years ago of all the things that social media and all the gurus were telling us we need to do on a daily basis, mm -hmm. such as exercise, you know, cook all, cook certain meals, like take the time to cook the meals, meditate, mm -hmm. pray, journal, you know, do your intentions, do gratitude journaling, do all this. You're not going to have any other time during the day to, to do your actual job. Mm -hmm. and then eat what you cook because there are just so many wellness practices that we think we're <laughs> supposed to do and then end the day with with um you know with like a prayer and yeah. yoga or something you know like an hour of yoga or in a face mask um so but what i love about what you just said is that all it is is a process especially for you of just releasing that tension mm -hmm. and that's different for everybody i always suggest people make a, a self-care menu where it's a list of things they know they would enjoy that would release that tension. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do all 20 things, but at least no. if you feel that tension, you can just choose one and go do it like you mm -hmm. do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love, yeah, I love the way that you described all of that. I love the tension, the tension release, but also reminding yourself of those stories of other people who need to give themselves grace, as well as just that bigger perspective. Like it's not yeah. just you in your mind. Yeah. There's a bigger world out there. There's a lot more going on. And yeah. that relieves tension in itself just to 
like um, Sandra Cisnero said, it just continues to open you up. Yeah, exactly. I, I do sometimes hesitate to answer questions like those because I feel like people's eyes glaze over, like you said, because <laughs> people are constantly getting told, like, these are the things you need to do. And the reality is, is that most of those things, yeah, they're legitimate. They usually help one or another, but it is, they can change. You know, it doesn't, you don't have to do it all in the same day. You don't have to keep with the same modality of what's going to help, but really finding in your body, like where the tension is. So then you can, you're like, oh, okay. Like, I know my anxiety really comes in my chest every single time it's there. I'm a little bit more aware of it because I've located it. And then I'm, like you said, kind of able to, I think that's a great idea. Just kind of cherry pick, be like, okay, what feels good today? What do I want to do? Do I want to go talk with a friend that I can just, you know, verbally process too? So it's whatever, any of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of the above, any all of the above. above. All yeah. of the above. But don't make, don't seem like you have to do it all in the same yeah, way exactly. or anything like that. Like, geez. Yeah. No, it's totally different for everybody. Yeah. Like your, your meditation is totally different than my meditation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, you know, one, this is a a little bit of a pivot and it, and that no pun intended because your recent post was about pivoting, um, and your Mm -hmm. creative U-turn, but as you're talking about finding your own grace, finding your own flow and, very much trusting and following your gut about what art you want to create for yourself and what kind of art you want to create potentially for to make a living. Since Tea with Colleen is an experiment and a practice for you of self-expression, as well as to just have people think about, like you're talking about, just daily, just life experiences, just seeing beauty and simple things. And you mentioned that you're going to start experimenting with the audio clips more and more what has that been like for you recently or I should say how is what's your how are you feeling about your self-expression recently because the modality is kind of changing and when I met you it was all poetry Mm. and then then you started writing the tea with Colleen blog posts and now you're dabbling in short form audio blog posts so what's that evolution like for you Yeah, I'm, it's, I'm glad you asked that question. I feel like sometimes it is overwhelming and that might seem like lame to say that it's like, well, you love, I'm not, I'm excited to change different modalities, but sometimes I'm like, I have something to say and I don't now I'm like, could this be in audio? Could this be a video post? Should I just put this on Instagram? Should I make a short video on TikTok? You know, I played around with YouTube videos. It's, it feels really big sometimes and it feels like really disorganized. Um, but that would probably be the pessimistic way to say. And instead in a positive spin would be like enlivening. And it's just this sprawling, creation that just wants to be expressed in all these various ways. And I think that um, the overwhelming part comes from skill, like skill set and just learning, okay, 
I really want that grace audio. It just kind of came as this would sound good as an audio because it was, I was using Sandra's mm. voice and I was like, I wanted to try audio. So I, one Sunday I was like, this sounds good as an audio. Um, but I will say that not every time it happens that way. Sometimes something comes and I was like, this would be great audio. And then it didn't really work. And I felt like I was forcing it to be an audio when I could have just written it as a tea with Colleen newsletter post. Mm. And that has created a little friction now when I'm like, if I don't think too much and I just kind of let it go, it, it seems to find its way. But if I'm trying to fit it into a specific mode or a specific form, um, it doesn't always work. And then the secondary part to that is learning kind of how to edit, like not, you know, learning how to edit newsletters, then learning how to edit audio, learning how to edit video. That adds another layer of cumbersomeness a little bit when you're like, well, I want this to be an audio, but then, you know, I'm learning how to make audio. So it, it's not as, I guess I've been a writer for a while. So that that flows a little easier but did that answer your question it's a little tricky I guess sure it's tricky yeah. but exciting um so yeah absolutely the reason I ask is because there are I mean as human beings we all need to express ourselves mm -hmm. in some way um I work with a lot of people who somewhat take to journaling and so take to writing um, because they're much more introverted or just, or tend toward more introverted practices. But the, the woman who travels a lot, who I just had on the show, she, we had this great um, conversation about this similar thing, which is that she's always been a writer or a journaler, or she'll, she'll somehow capture all of her ideas that she thinks about, but then only re in like the last year has she started to share that publicly, either in Instagram posts or writing it on Instagram or somehow making it visual, whatever it might be. And the point that she and I got to was that the, what you're expressing doesn't change, mm. which is really cool, but the modality of how you're expressing it does. Mm. And this is an example too. Like I've never, you know, up until a couple of years ago, I had never made videos of just me talking to a camera. And then, and then I started the podcast because I wanted to interview people. I had never thought about doing that, but I'm, I'm now expressing what I really enjoy expressing and asking people what I really enjoy asking people. And so I, a lot of these things I still write about privately, but now I'm expressing it publicly. And so that's the new phase that I'm entering into as well. So I just think it's helpful, as you said, for people to know that there is a dance with it. Mm -hmm. You can always, there's never any pressure with it, but the way you express it does evolve and you can leave room for that if you want it. Definitely. And there is a vulnerability that comes with audio and video that writing doesn't necessarily have, I would say. A hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah. you're like, what? comfortable you know it's all the same things am I comfortable with my voice or am I comfortable with the way I look on camera or some you know so the, those I guess I've used this quote before but it was like 
with new responsibility comes new vulnerabilities. It's not necessarily a responsibility, mm -hmm. but if your expression is pushing you towards a specific modality, it does sometimes feel like it, you know, it's a responsibility to like then engage with it, even if it's scary, even if it's a new skill set, even if there's more to, you know, witness of yourself, basically, mm -hmm. than just a maybe two dimensional blog post, basically. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. I always use the metaphor of the lobster, which is like any growth breaks you out of the armor that's been concealing you. But then when you're actually, when you grow and you break out, now you're, now you have no armor. Yeah. So you couldn't be more vulnerable. So every level of growth you hit, you're going to be incredibly, you're going to feel so naked, so yeah. lost. It's going to feel like a no man's land and you're going to feel so vulnerable, but it's because mm -hmm. you grew into that level that you feel that. Yeah, totally. That's great. I was picturing I, when, when you said lobster, I was like immediately picturing just dipping it in butter. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I don't know where that's going to, what part of that's going to be in the metaphor, but. <laughs> Talk about a personality so test. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I didn't even want to, I don't even yeah, want to entertain go. what that yeah. means yeah. <laughs> in your mind. Yeah. But um you know, since, since so much of what we've been talking about and so many insights that you've shared today, I think would be is so helpful for people, um, even just to simplify the thought process of things, um, yeah. like giving yourself grace is just like releasing that tension and that can be it, or just trusting your gut or trusting the process. So if you have not already answered it, I'm going to uh, ask you the final question that I ask everybody. And the context of this is that my godfather in Vermont was a very well acclaimed pediatrician for his whole career. He's incredible. And he hosted events um, at his house for new uh, med, med students, uh, just because he was, cared a ton about training med students, making sure they were delivering really good empathetic care. And so a visiting doctor came to one of his events that he was hosting and was talking to the students and the students were asking all the nitty gritty questions of like, but what if this happens? What if this happens? And the guy stopped them because he knew that they'd just been reading their textbooks and, and panicking. And he said, just define what a good life means to you and then apply what you've learned through that and let that make, help you make your decisions. So obviously assuming that these people have uh, you know, altruistic intentions when they're providing medical care, defining your good life or a good life, let that be your guide. Mm. So since this podcast and everything that you've shared today, I think is so helpful for people mm. to simplify their mindset about things um, and to live a better life. Well, I'm curious what your definition or thought is on what a good life could be. Uh, so the poet in me wants to answer that in with something that might make people's eyes roll a little bit, but these mini moments, I would say, um, I love capturing the mini moments. I love the art of observation. So a good life would be 
you know, having your coffee roasting in the morning and like actually smelling it and, or Mm -hmm. going on a walk and experiencing a cherry blossom tree over you or feeling the salt on your cheek from the ocean or something like that. Like that would be the poet in me. That would be like, that is a good life is having those memories and having that presence of those moments that make you realize you're alive and breathing and well, and there's so much beauty and life around you, um, even when it's chaotic. But I think that the other part of me that wants to answer that question is what is a good life is when, and this is might just be something of me in the moment, but being able to rewrite those stories that you tell yourself um, and being alive to share it, to say that these, those stories, if they're negative or if they're limiting in any sort of way and, and changing them and living, transcending them essentially would mean a good life um, because yeah. That's, that's how I feel about that. <laughs> I feel like it's a good life if you've transcended some of those stories and some of those negative um, thought patterns that you have, um, because I don't think people give enough credit to that, to being able to do it and to transcend them and just, you know, set the, set your life how you want it, create your own story. Nice. In that way. Love that. That's great. That altruistic enough? (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Well, but it's it's. I mean, I didn't I didn't doubt this, but it that beautifully it beautifully synchronizes with what you've already shared today, which is like finding those moments of grace where you get out of your head, and it's just Mm -hmm. those perspectives of you know the coffee, having your coffee, smelling it, Mm -hmm. you know, going on a walk, feeling the feeling the breeze, kind of thing, like. Mm-hmm. Those are those reminders that get you out of your head of like, yeah. oh, there is this other, there is this world that I'm interacting with. Here is evidence of its beauty. Yes, and, well put. And, yeah. And I think, I think you, in a way today, you've kind of created, you kind of like shared a, a simple formula for it. And I think just that answer right there is like, if you're able to keep that perspective, keep those perspective moments, mm-hmm. that will enable you to transcend your stories because you have that perspective you have that openness yes beautifully put (laughs) generates that awareness to you know step out of the stories totally yeah Yeah. i love it i love it very well said yourself All right. Well, Colleen, I know, I know you need to get going. So thank you so, so much for delivering such a deep and insightful um, episode today and conversation. Uh, Now tea with Colleen is clearly your project at the moment. So I'll put the link in the show notes Um, other than subscribing to that and following, following you there. Is there anything else that you want people to engage with? Uh, no, that's it for now. I do work at Poetry Forge. We kind of alluded to it earlier. So if you are, um, and I work under Holly, the founder. So if you are interested in poetry or just any sort of creative online courses, um, you can find more information there too. Perfect. I will link that in the show notes as well. I'll put everything, lots of resources. Yeah. (laughs) 
This is great. But seriously, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me on, Taylor. It was great. Hey everyone, Taylor here. Thank you so much again for clicking and listening along today. As a reminder, if anything from this episode resonated deeply with you or relates to any stress or pain you might be experiencing, head to my website, the link is in the show notes, and contact me for a free full-length coaching session. Not only will we gain an enormous amount of clarity on what you're experiencing or what you're hoping to experience, but also we'll give you a strategy, like a first step, first little step that you can take that's gonna make a huge difference to relieve your stress and your overwhelm and your confusion. So if you're interested in that and what we talked about in these episodes resonates with you, please go ahead and contact me to schedule your free session. In the meantime, take care, be kind to yourself, and I'll talk to you soon.